Section 82 of London Labour and the London Poor, Volume 2, by Henry Mayhew. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gillian Hendry. Of the Cesspool and Sewer System of Paris. Part 1. As the Court of Sewers have recently adopted some of the French regulations concerning cesspoolage, I will now give an account of the cesspool system of France. When, after the ravages of the epidemic cholera of 1848 to 1849, sanitary commissioners, under the authority of the legislature, pursued their inquiries, it was deemed essential to report upon the cesspool system of Paris, as that capital had also been ravaged by the epidemic. The task was entrusted to Mr. T. W. Rammel, C.E. Even in what the French delight to designate, and in some respects justly, the most refined city in the world, a filthy and indolent custom, once common, as I have shown in England, still prevails. In Paris, the kitchen and dry house refuse, and formerly it was the faecal refuse also, is deposited in the dark of the night in the streets, and removed, as soon as the morning light permits, by the public scavengers. But the refuse is not removed unexamined before being thrown into the cart of the proper functionary, there is in Paris a large and peculiar class, the chiffonniers, literally, in Anglo-Saxon rendering, the raggers, or rag-finders. These men nightly traverse the streets, each provided with a lantern, and generally with a basket strapped to the back. The poorer sort, however, for poverty, like rank, has its gradations. Make a bag answer the purpose. They have also a pole with an iron hook to its end, and a small shovel. The dirt heaps or mounds of dry house refuse are carefully turned over by these men, for their morrow's bread, as in the case of our own street finders, depends upon something saleable being acquired. Their prizes are bones, which sometimes they are seen to gnaw, bits of bread, wasted potatoes, broken pots, bottles and glass, old pans and odd pieces of old metal, cigar ends, waste paper and rags although these people are known as rag pickers rags are perhaps the very thing of which they pick the least because the parisians are least apt to throw them away in some of the criminal trials in the french capital the chiffoniers have given evidence but not much of late of what they have found in a certain locality and supplied a link sometimes an important one to the evidence against a criminal with these refuse heaps is still sometimes mixed matter which should have found its way into the cesspools, although this is an offence punishable and occasionally punished. Before the habits of the Parisians are too freely condemned, let it be borne in mind that the houses of the French capital are much larger than in London, and that each floor is often the dwelling place of a family. Such is generally the case in London in the poorer districts, but in Paris it pervades almost all districts. There, some of the houses contain seventy, not fugitive, but permanent inmates. The average number of inhabitants to each house, according to the last census, was upwards of twenty-four. In London the average is 7.6, the extremes being eleven to each house in St. Giles's, and between five and six in the immediate suburbs. See page 165, ante. Persons who are circumstanced then, as are the Parisians, 
can hardly have at their command the proper means and appliances for a sufficient cleanliness and for the promotion of what we consider but the two words are unknown to the french language the comforts of a home the greater portion of the liquid refuse writes mr rammel including water which has been used in culinary or cleansing processes is got rid of by means of open channels laid across the courtyards and the foot pavements to the street gutters along which it flows until it falls through the nearest gully into the sewers and ultimately into the seine if produced in the upper part of a house this description of refuse is first poured into an external chute branching out of the rainwater pipe with one of which every floor is usually provided iron pipes have been lately much introduced in place of the open channels across the foot pavements these are laid level with the surface and are cast with an open slit about one inch in width at the top to afford facility for cleansing during the busy parts of the day there are constant streams of such fluids running through most of the streets of paris the smell arising from which is by no means agreeable in hot weather it is the practice to turn on the public standpipes for an hour or two to dilute the matter and accelerate its flow with respect to faecal refuse says mr rammel and much of the house slops particularly those of bedchambers the cesspool is universally adopted in paris as the immediate receptacle End quote. by far the greater proportion of the wet house refuse of paris therefore is deposited in cesspools i shall then immediately proceed to show the quantity of matter thus collected yearly as well as the means by which it is removed the aggregate quantity of the cesspool matter of paris has greatly increased in quantity within the present century though this might have been expected as well from the increase of population as from the improved construction of cesspools preventing leakage and the increased supply of water in the french metropolis the following figures show both the aggregate quantity and the increase that has taken place in the cesspoolage of Paris from 1810 to the present time. In 1810, the total quantity of refuse matter deposited in the basins at Montfaucon amounted to 50,151 cubic metres, equal to 1,770,330 cubic feet. In 1811, the quantity was... 49,545 cubic metres, equal to 1,748,938 cubic feet. In 1812, 49,235 cubic metres, equal to 1,737,995 cubic feet, giving an average from the three years of 49,877 cubic metres, equal to 1,760,658 cubic feet. The quantity at present conveyed to Montfaucon and Bondy amounts, according to Monsieur Eloin, a very good authority, to from 600 to 700 cubic metres daily, giving, in round numbers, an annual quantity of 230,000 cubic metres, equal to 8,119,000 cubic feet. This shows an increase in 36 years of very nearly 400%, but still it constitutes little more than one-half of the cesspoolage of London. The quantity of refuse matter which is daily drawn from the cesspools, Mr. Rammel states, 
and he had every assistance from the authorities in prosecuting his inquiries, at between 600 and 700 cubic metres, 21,180 and 24,710 cubic feet, giving in round numbers the annual quantity of 230,000 cubic metres. Quote, Dividing this annual quantity at 230,000 cubic metres, or 8 million cubic feet, by the number of the population of Paris, 94,721 individuals, according to the last census, we have 243 litres only as the annual produce from each individual. The daily quantity of matter, including water necessary for cleanliness, passing from each person into the cesspool in the better class of houses, is stated to be one and three-quarter litres, 3.08 pints, or 638 litres annually. The discrepancy between these two quantities, wide as it is, must be accounted for by the fact of a large proportion of the lower orders in Paris rarely or ever using any privy at all, and by allowing for the small quantity of water made use of in the inferior class of houses. There can be no doubt that this latter quantity of one and three-quarter litres daily is very nearly correct, and not above the average quantity used in houses where a moderate degree of cleanliness is observed. This proportion was ascertained to hold good in the case of some barracks in Paris, where the contents of the cesspools were accurately measured, the total quantity divided by the number of men occupying the barracks, and the quotient by the number of days since the cesspools had been last emptied, the result showing a daily quantity of one and three-quarter litres from each individual. The average charge per cubic metre for extraction and transport of the cesspoolage is nine francs, giving a gross annual charge of two million and seventy thousand francs, eighty-two thousand eight hundred pounds sterling, which sum, it would appear, is paid every year by the house proprietors of Paris for the extraction of the matter from their cesspools and its transport to the voirie. End quote. Mr. Rammel says that where a tubular system of house drainage, such as has been described under the proper head, adopted in Paris, in lieu of the present mode, it would cost less than one-tenth of the expense now incurred. The principal place of deposit for the general refuse of Paris has long been at Montfaucon. A French writer, Monsieur Jules Garnier, in a recent work, A Visit to Montfaucon, says, quote, For more than 900 years, Montfaucon has been devoted to this purpose. There, the citizens of Paris deposited their filth before the walls of the capital extended beyond what is now the central quarter. The distance between Paris and Montfaucon was then more than a mile and a half. End quote. Thus, it appears that Montfaucon was devoted to its present purposes, of course, in a much more limited degree, as early as the reign of King Charles the Simple. This deposit of cesspool matter is the property of the commune as in the City of London it would be said to belong to the corporation, and it is farmed out, for terms of nine years, to the highest bidders. The amount received by the commune has greatly increased, as the following returns, which are official, will show. In 1808, the cesspoolage fetched 97,000 francs, about 3,880 pounds. 
1817, the cesspoolage fetched 75,000 francs, about 3,000 pounds. In 1834, the cesspoolage fetched 165,000 francs, about 7,000 pounds. In 1843, the cesspoolage fetched 525,000 francs, about 21,000 pounds. It is here that the poudrette, of which I have spoken elsewhere, is prepared. Note, Mr. Rammel supplies the following note on the use of poudrette. In connection with this subject, he says, a few observations upon the application of poudrette in agricultural process may not be without interest. With regard to the fertilizing properties of this preparation, Monsieur Maxime Poulay, in his work entitled Théorie et Pratique des Engrais, gives a table of the fertilizing qualities of various descriptions of manure, the value of each being determined by the quantity of nitrogen it contains, taking for a standard good farmyard dung, which contains on an average four per one thousand of nitrogen, and assuming that ten thousand kilograms about 22,000 pounds English, of this manure, containing 40 kilograms of nitrogen, are necessary to manure one hectare, two and a half acres nearly, of land, the quantities of poudrette and of some other animal manures required to produce a similar effect would be as follows. Good farmyard dung, the quantity usually spread upon one hectare of land, 10,000 kilograms. Equivalent quantities of human urine, not having undergone fermentation, 5,600 kilograms. Equivalent quantities of poudrette, of Montfaucon, 2,550 kilograms. Equivalent quantities of mixed human excrements, this quantity I have calculated from data given in the same work, 1,333 kilograms. Equivalent quantities of liquid blood of the abattoirs, 1,333 kilograms. Equivalent quantities of bones, 650 kilograms. Equivalent quantities of average of guano, two specimens are given, 512 kilograms. Equivalent quantities of urine of the public urinals in fermentation and incompletely dried, 233 kilograms. M. Paulet estimates the loss of the ammoniacal products contained in the faecal matters when they are withdrawn from the cesspools by the time they have been ultimately reduced into poudrette at from 80 to 90 per cent. I have not been able to meet with an analysis of the matters found in the fixed and movable cesspools of Paris, but in the Corps d'Agriculture of M. le Comte de Gasparin, I find an analysis by Messieurs Payen and Bossengot of some matter taken from the cesspools of Lille, and in the state in which it is ordinarily used in the suburbs of that city as manure. This matter was found to contain, on the average, 0.205% of nitrogen, and thus, by the rule observed in drawing up the above table, 19.512 kilograms of it would be necessary to produce the same effect upon one hectare of land as the other manures there mentioned. The wide difference between this quantity and that, 1,333 kilograms, stated for the mixed human excrements in their undiluted state, would lead to the conclusion that a very large proportion of water was present in the matter sent from Lille, unless we are to attribute a portion of the difference 
to the accidental circumstance of the bad quality of this matter. It appears that this is very variable according to the style of living of the persons producing it. Upon this subject, Monsieur Paulet says, the case of an agriculturalist in the neighbourhood of Paris is cited, who bought the contents of the cesspools of one of the fashionable restaurants of the Palais Royal, making a profitable speculation of it, he purchased the matter of the cesspools of several barracks. This bargain, however, resulted in a loss, for the produce from this last matter came very short of that given by the first. Boudrette weighs 70 kilograms the hectolitre, 154 pounds per 22 gallons, and the quantity usually spread upon one hectare of land, two and a half acres nearly, is 1,750 kilograms being at the rate of about £1,540 per acre, English measure. It is cast upon the land by the hand, in the manner that corn is sown. Poudrette, packed in sacks, very soon destroys them. This is always the case, whether it is whole or has been newly prepared. A serious accident occurred in 1818 on board a vessel named the Arthur, which sailed from Rouen, with a cargo of poudrette for Guadeloupe. During the voyage, a disease broke out on board, which carried off half the crew, and left the remainder in a deplorable state of health when they reached their destination. It attacked also the men who landed the cargo. They all suffered in a greater or less degree. The poudrette was proved to have been shipped during a wet season, and to have been exposed before and during shipment, in a manner to allow it to absorb a considerable quantity of moisture. The accident appears to have been due to the subsequent fermentation of the mass in the hold, increased to an intense degree by the moisture it had acquired, and by the heat of a tropical climate. Monsieur Parent de Châtelet, to whom the matter was referred, recommended that to guard against similar accidents in future, the poudrette intended for exportation, in order to deprive it entirely of humidity, should be mixed with an absorbent powder, such as quicklime, and that it should be packed in casks to protect it from moisture during the voyage. End note. Besides this branch of commerce, Montfaucon has establishments for the extracting of ammonia from the cesspool matter, and the right of doing so is now farmed out for 80,000 francs a year, £3,200. Montfaucon is on the north side of Paris, and the place of refuse deposit is known as the Voirie. The following account of it, and of the manufacture of poudrette, is curious in many respects. Quote, the area, which is about 40 acres in extent, is divided into three irregular compartments. One, the system of basins. Two, the ground used for spreading and drying the matter. Three, the place where the matter is heaped up after having been dried. The basins standing for the most part in gradations, one above another, by reason of the slope of the ground, are six in number. The two upper ones, which are upon a level, first receive the soil upon its arrival at the voirie. The four others are receptacles for the more liquid portion as it gradually flows off from the upper basins. There is a great difference in the character of the soil brought. That taken from the upper part of the cesspools and amounting to a large proportion of the whole, being entirely liquid, while the remainder is more or less solid, according to the depth at which it is taken. The whole, however, during winter or rainy weather, 
is indiscriminately deposited in the upper basins, but in dry weather the nearly solid portion is at once thrown upon the drying ground. Note, it is in the upper basins, adds the reports, that the first separation of the liquids and solids takes place, the latter falling to the bottom, and the former gradually flowing off through a sluice into the lower basins. This first separation, however, is by no means complete, a considerable deposit taking place in the lower basins. The mass in the upper basins, after three or four years, then appears like a thick mud, half liquid, half solid. It is of depth varying from twelve to fifteen feet. In order entirely to get rid of the liquids, deep channels are then cut across the mass, by which they are drained off, when the deposit soon becomes sufficiently stiff to permit of its being dug out and spread upon the drying ground, where, to assist the desiccation, it is turned over two or three times a day by means of a harrow drawn by a horse. The time necessary for the requisite desiccation varies a good deal according to the season of the year, the temperature, and the dry or moist state of the atmosphere. Ere yet it is entirely deprived of humidity, the matter is collected into heaps, varying in size usually from eight to ten yards high and from sixty to eighty yards long by twenty or thirty yards wide. These heaps or mounds generally remain a twelve-month untouched, sometimes even for two or three years. But as fast as the material is required, they are worked from one of the sides by means of pickaxes, shovels and rakes. The pieces separated are then easily broken and reduced to powder, foreign substances being carefully excluded. This operation, which is the last the matter undergoes, is performed by women. The poudrette then appears like a mould of a grey-black colour, light, greasy to the touch, finely grained, and giving out a particular faint and nauseous odour. The finer particles of matter carried by the liquids into the lower basins, and there more gradually deposited in combination with a precipitate from the urine, yield a variety of poudrette preferred by the farmers for its superior fertilising properties. In this case, the drying process is conducted more slowly and with more difficulty than in the other, but more completely. In general, the poudrette is dried with great difficulty. It appears to have an extreme affinity for water. Few substances give out moisture more slowly or absorb it more greedily from the air. A good deal of heat is generated in the heaps of desiccated matter, this is always sensible to the touch and sometimes results in spontaneous combustion. The intensity of this heat is not in proportion to the elevation of temperature of the atmosphere. It is promoted by moisture. The only means of extinguishing the fire when it is once developed is to turn over the mass from top to bottom in order to expose it to the air. Water thrown upon it, unless in very large quantities, would only increase its activity. End note. The quantity of poudrette sold in 1818 was, at the voirie, 50,000 setiers, heaped bushels each, English measure, end note, sent into the departments, 20,000 setiers. Total sale, 70,000 setiers, at prices of 7, 8 and 9 francs the setier. This is equal at the average price of 8 francs, to £22,400 sterling. 
the refuse liquids, as fast as they overflow the basins or are passed through the chemical works, are conducted into the public sewers and through them into the Seine, nearly opposite the Jardin des Plantes. They thus fall into the river at the very commencement of its course through Paris and pollute its waters before they have reached the various works lower down and near the centre of the city, where they are raised and distributed for household purposes, for the supply of baths and for the public fountains. Rats are found by thousands in the voirie, and their voracity is such that I have often known them, during a single night, convert into skeletons the carcasses of twenty horses which had been brought thither the evening before. The bones are burnt to heat the coppers or to get rid of them. Speaking of the disgusting practices at the voirie, Mr. Gisquet says, I have seen men stark naked, passing entire days in the midst of the basins, seeking for any objects of value they might contain. I have seen others fishing for the rotten fish the market inspectors had caused to be thrown into the basins. Two cartloads of spoilt and stinking mackerel were thrown into the largest of the basins. Two hours afterwards, all the fish had disappeared. The emanations from the voirie are, as may well be supposed, most powerfully offensive. To a stranger unaccustomed to the atmosphere surrounding them, it would be almost impossible to make the tour of the basins without being more or less affected with a disposition to nausea. Large and numerous bubbles of gas are seen constantly rising from a lake of urine and water, while evaporation of the most foul description is going on from many acres of surrounding ground, upon which the solid matter is spread to dry. The late Monsieur Parent de Châtelet, a high authority on this matter, stated, in 1833, that the emanations from the voirie were insupportable within a circumference of 2,000 metres, about a mile and a quarter English measure, while the winds carried them sometimes, as was shown when an official inquiry was made as to the ravages and causes of cholera, two and a half miles, and in certain states of the atmosphere, eight French miles, not quite five English miles. The same high authority has also stated that in addition to the emanations from the cesspool matter at the voirie, the greater part of the carcasses of about 12,000 horses and between 25,000 and 30,000 smaller animals were allowed to rot upon the ground there. To abate this nuisance, a new voirie was, more than 20 years since, formed in the forest of Bondy, eight miles from Paris. It consists of eight basins, four on each side of the Canal de l'Orec, arranged like those at Montfaucon. The area of these basins is little short of 96,000 square yards, and their collective capacity upwards of 261,000 cubic yards. The expectations of the relief that would be experienced from the establishment of the new voirie in the forest have not been realised. The movable cesspools only have been conveyed there by boats on the canal to be emptied, the empty casks being conveyed back by the same boats. The basins are not yet full, for the conveyance by the Canal de l'Orec is costly, and in winter its traffic is sometimes suspended by its being frozen. In one year the cost of conveying these movable cesspools to Bondi was little short of £1,500. In the latest report on this subject, 1835, 
The commissioners, of whom M. Parron du Châtelet was one, recommend that all the cesspool matter at the voirie should be disinfected. M. Salmon, after a course of chemical experiments, the report of the commission states, disinfected and carbonized a mass of mud and filth, containing much organic matter, deposited from a sewer on the banks of the Seine. The commissioners say, quote, The discovery of M. Salmon awakened the attention of the contractors of Montfaucon, who employed one of our most skilful chemists to find for them a means of disinfection other than that for which M. Salmon had taken out a patent. M. Sanson and some other persons made similar researches, and from their joint investigations it resulted that disinfection might be equally well produced with turf ashes, with carbonized turf, and with the simple débris of this very abundant substance, and that the same success might be obtained with sawdust, with the refuse matter of the tan-yards, with garden mould, so abundant in the environs of Paris, and with many other substances. A curious experiment has even shown that after mixing with a clay earth a portion of faecal matter, it was only necessary to carbonise this mixture to obtain a perfect disinfectant powder. Theory had already indicated the result. This disinfection, however, has not been carried out in the voirie, nor in the manufacture of poudrette. End of section 82